Discussing Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today, we begin our Best of Doctors series, where we will kick things off by reviewing Star Trek Enterprise Season 3, Episode 16, Doctor's Orders. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts slash Trekkies, starting with Cal Jones. How you doing, man? Doing well. I It's raining where I'm at right now, but other than that, uh, I'm inside, so I can't complain. Glad to be here. Oh, man, you don't have a, a cure for the rainy day? No? I do not have a cure for a rainy day, <laughs> except if you're inside, you get to listen to Disgusting Trek. So, there ah, you go. Okay, that works. That works. And from the Ready Room Studios in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Jonathan Shorts, how you doing, man? Doing good, man. Doing good. Uh, just trying to make it, man. I don't know. Not much interesting in, doing in my way. Just Star Trek, and that's not a bad life. Hey, hey, I'm right there with you. Right there with you, sir. And also, we have Jeremy Barrow there. What's up, man? Not much. It's been a good week for me, actually. I got a promotion at work, so hey. you got a little bit more money coming to me, and... Mm, just rub it in, what? I sure will. <laughs> Congratulations. Hey, man, Thank you have you. to celebrate you. your wins when you get them. I'm right there with right. you. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we're here to talk about our Best of the Doctor series, where we'll be reviewing several episodes to, across several series, talking about the different doctors in said series. And I feel like it should be an interesting conversation. And first, we have Star Trek Enterprise, Doctor's Orders, TOS, Miri. The Next Generation, A Natural Selection, Next Generation Again, Remember Me, Deep Space Nine, Hippocratic Oath, and Voyager, Tinker, Tenor, Dr. Spy. So you can go ahead and watch ahead on any of those episodes if you want to, you know, watch along with us. It'll be a lot of a lot of fun. What we do here on this podcast is review each and every episode of Star Trek in somewhat excessive detail. In addition to talking all things Trek, please leave a review and subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening on to make sure you don't miss an episode. I don't have any news. Guys, you have anything? Uh, Nothing, but I don't know. We got the Picard trailer, didn't we? That's what I was, yeah, that's what I was getting ready to say. I didn't know if we had talked about that last time or it was before. But yeah, Picard trailer. Awesomeness. So what what do we think? I wasn't too impressed. It almost felt like a rehash of what we've done in Discovery already to a certain extent cuz I don't I don't know if I want any more time stuff. And it sounds like that's what they're doing. Uh, well, I have to agree with you cuz I mean coming from the guy on this panel that really hates the time episodes. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to that. But as a Trek fan, how can you not be excited for a Q Picard interaction? And just just that interaction in the trailer was exciting for me. Uh, so I'm just I'm all in just for that. Hmm. So I'm going to give the counter to that, but counter it with almost the same thing as to what you said. So maybe it really isn't a counter. But from the guy who loves, absolutely loves time episodes, I'm excited about this. But I'm equally excited for what you just said at the end, Jonathan, which is the, you know, act, you know, the interaction. And don't forget, we've also got Whoopi Goldberg coming back as Guinan. So we've got that to look forward to as well. So. Oh, yes. I forgot that. I'm so 
Yeah, and maybe the most fun about it being a alternative timeline is that maybe we can do some fun things like maybe bring in some more characters that we haven't seen. Heck, we could even bring uh, Data back and we could bring Ichil back. <laughs> you know, we could do some weird things like that if it is an altered reality. You know what I was worried about, though, watching that trailer and seeing, you know, thinking time episode and I'm hoping they don't do this is like mingle it in with discovery somehow. I kind of wish they would. I don't. I just I, I just don't want it all to be one thing. I, uh, I'm kind of down for that. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm, now, I'll say this in that teaser trailer, you know, when uh, it's kind of like Q is kind of doing a monologue or narration of it. And they cut to a scene of Picard at Federation headquarters addressing some people. Yeah. Uh, and you see the people sitting there and it was quick. And I tried to re- rewind it and I couldn't really tell. But it looks like possibly that was Tilly sitting over there to the left. What? What? I, I, I did, it was very quick and kind of blurred. Okay, so I'm not know. sure, but the hair was there. I don't I know just, about that. Well, I have to go back and watch it again. But also in that scene, they I think they show the Klingon emblem, but they don't show the Klingon. They just show their legs. You can't see the full Klingon. So I'm wondering if we're going to get, you know, <laughs> what the Klingons look like now, which obviously they should look like they looked in the 90s. But, Man. you know. <laughs> I'm glad to see Bajoran is still, they got the Bajoran flag there, so that's good. They're still part of Federation. I'm looking to explore that a little more. Well, man, Patrick you, uh, Patrick Ewing, Patrick Stewart. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Stewart looked so old, man. He came out of there like, Laris, Laris. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. Oh, wow. Mm. But I guess the guy's 80, so what are you going to do? In some ways, it's funny because in some ways, William Shatner seems like he's younger than Stewart in some ways. And I know he's it like really 10 does. years older. Botox. <laughs> 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 All right, we'll move on from there. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Star Trek Enterprise Doctor's Orders. Doctor's Orders is the 16th episode of season three of Star Trek Enterprise. It was directed by Roxanne Dawson, our great Bellana, and written by Chris Black. The episode first aired on February 18th, 2004. While the rest of the crew are comatose, Dr. Flox and Porthos guide the Enterprise through an area of dangerous space. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand the battle station. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprain something. As always, we go to Kyle Jones for the beats of the episode. Sometimes serious, sometimes comedic. What do you got for us, Kyle? One sentence and one sentence alone, and here we go. Perception is reality, but reality isn't always perception. Mmm, getting deep on us, ain't you, Kyle? Hmm. See, I've been reading up on something. Don't know what I've been reading, but something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, guys, let's go around the horn and see what each of you think of this episode. High level thoughts. And we'll start with you, Jeremy. What did you think, man? So I'm going to say this. I don't want you to think that I'm pooping all over the episode, but Voyager did it better. Mm. And they did oh. it better first. I mean, it was a good episode, don't get me wrong, but I just think it was a better Voyager episode than it was an Enterprise episode. 
We will dig into that because that's one of my questions. <laughs> John, what do you think, man? Um, so I'm going to be, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm probably not the right one to ask because I just recently went through this entire series. And as I was saying at the beginning of this before we started recording, I feel like this episode, you needed a lot more context to enjoy it. This particular, I mean, spoilers, they're in an expanse and that was in Voyager too. But as in Voyager, this expanse has a lot of huh, variables going on. And I think you kind of needed to know that and know why they were there and know what they were doing and all that to actually get full enjoyment from it. But putting that to the, to the side, uh, it's still a great episode and it's featuring one of my favorite doctors. Uh, he is hilarious and also very smart. So, I I mean, in my opinion, I think it was a great episode. All right. And Cal, back to you, man. So, Jonathan, you know, you're used to this by now. As usual, I'm going to do <laughs> what I usually do and say, Jonathan, I disagree with you. And <laughs> what I disagree with you about is I think it does stand on its own. And the reason I say that is... I am not a big Enterprise fan. I think it is probably my least favorite of the Star Trek franchises. That is said, it because of the song. Per, yeah, <laughs> mainly because of the song. <laughs> but and and yes, I did skip the song as I am watching uh, oh, yesterday. But that being said, I watched this out of the blue, enjoyed it, enjoyed it for what it was, and thought it was quite good. So I agree with what jeremy said i would probably and i think you hit on hit on this too jonathan which is understanding the bigger tapestry i just enjoyed it i mean yes i may have enjoyed it more but as a standalone episode i enjoyed it yeah and, and as for me a lot of that surrounding context of when and where this episode is taking place I've forgotten all of it. I, I vaguely, vaguely remember some of the details. So from that point of view, I can see what you're saying, John, because I was a bit not lost, but wanted more detail on why they were traveling where they were traveling. So if I would have got that a little bit more explanation of that, I think I would have been and felt a little bit better about it. I did somewhat enjoy it it was not my favorite episode i'm sorry to say <laughs> and, and, and then that, that might be because i just feel like it wasn't a lot going on um but a good twist which i don't know if it, the twist was earned though i feel like we got the twist we'll get into it but i feel like we got it just because they left out information but still we'll, we'll, we'll get into it well one thing you have i think and again this is just opinions and I, like i said i recently went through this series it, it is a good standalone episode and i'll give you that it's uh i mean yes you can watch it and enjoy it without the without context but also this was one of those there was so much going on in this season there's so much that happened and you, you know, Star Trek has a tendency when they're going through these arcs and there's so much going on in a buildup. There's always that one like calm, not calm, just episode that just kind of like, all right, we need a break from all the drama. Almost filler kind of. Yeah, almost like a filler episode. And this this was one of those. This was like between uh, there was a lot going on before this. There's a lot going to happen after this. 
So this was one of those. They didn't really mean it to be an in-depth. Like, you just really need to take this as surface level. Number one. Number two, there's a lot of references in this that you only would have picked up from previous episodes. And not not that there was a storyline in the previous episode, but just little things that were mentioned repetitively through the series, starting with the first episode. Is Those things are kind of in your mind when you get to this episode, so you have a better appreciation of it. So not that necessarily you could have watched one or two episodes before this and then fully been fully appreciated it, you kind of would have had to watch the entire thing to get it, especially when you're dealing with flocks. There's a lot of, uh, I'm sure we'll get into it, but there's a lot of comments he made uh, that, you know, you just, there was no episodes really explaining it fully, but it was just kind of mentioned repetitively and you kind of appreciate it when he mentions it here. Yeah. yeah, And and by this time they were definitely flirting with this larger serialized storyline, which is, was kind of new, new to Trek, I would say. At this point, because they had a lot, like you said, a lot going on with this huge storyline of what the season would be. And, and, you know, that I, I actually love that about Enterprise, to be honest. So uh, I'm definitely going to go back and watch more of it because I was definitely lost <laughs> in this episode a bit. But in this episode, John Billingsley roams about the Enterprise, checking on her systems and tending to her crew. But for this Denobulan, solitude might be the worst thing he could ever have asked for. So let's dig into the setup. While en route to Azadi Prime, the crew discovers a transdimensional disturbance, a.k.a. reconfigured space. John, I'm calling you on to explain in a second. That will cause the Enterprise to take a two week detour unless they go through it. According to Flox, the reconfigured space disrupts the human neocortex unless he dampens the effects by placing the ship's human crew complement. And he did say human. I went back and watched it. <laughs> human complement in a comatose state. So, again, we find Flox is left to monitor the crew, uh, maintains its systems for four days while the crew is under. So, Jeremy, you kind of hinted at this already. Can, can, can we talk about a time where... We had a similar situation where there was maybe one or two people man manning the ship, as it were. Yeah, it was a it was a Voyager episode uh, titled One. I think it was like in the fifth season, fourth or fifth season, where basically they were in, trying to enter Nebula, but the, it caused a lot of pain to everybody but the Doctor because he's a hologram. And Seven, so they were the only two left awake after everybody was in suspended animation to go through this uh, to go through the Nebula. So it was the same setup, essentially. Was that the one where he put them in pods? Yes. Put them to sleep. Yeah, that was yeah. kind of, quote, unquote, a scary episode. Yeah. <laughs> it would. Um, yeah, no, that was basically the plot. And when, I, when, when they talked about, you know, everybody was asleep, I was like, oh, <laughs> I've seen this <laughs> on another show. <laughs> you know, I completely forgot about that episode. That's really what. That's really one of the better seven episodes, I think. Hmm. Yeah, I, I totally do not remember that episode at all. So I'm gonna have to go back and watch it. I had just. I'm. I'm on a slight Voyager binge again, and I had just seen that episode like a couple of days ago. So it was still kind of fresh on me. It's season four, episode twenty-five of uh, Voyager. So yeah, I got to go back and watch that one as well. Cool. Cool. Any other thing we can think of? Because I, I, I can't think of one myself, but I'm glad you had that reference there, Jeremy. It, does anybody else have one? The lone person on the ship that you can think of? Mm, I'm sure there's been plenty. Uh, yeah. 
I can think of some, but not for the reason of that they're like in stasis or comatose. Yeah. No, no, no. yeah. So, Doctor Fox. <laughs> oh my God! So Doctor Fox goes for a run to pass time, and even walks around the ship in his birthday suit. <laughs> <laughs> birthday suit a bit much I'm sure there's cameras on this ship do we really need that I I thought it was I don't think so yeah I'm kind of like you guys I don't think so I think it was somebody's attempt to try to be clever and funny but I think what they were also trying to say was if we know everybody's asleep and you know nobody's watching what would you do? Well, what would you guys do if you want to show Would you be tempted if you knew nobody else was awake? Would you be interested? I mean, would you be interested? Would you be tempted <laughs> to just walk around? Are you, are you pro- propositioning me? <laughs> no. I don't, I don't know that I would be at all interested. <laughs> or tempted either, right? Or tempted. But uh, so again, this was one of those episodes where they just kind of wanted to ease it, ease the tension, and what better way? But and also, you you have to keep in mind who this person is, and that is Flocks. Like I expect that from Flocks. So when we when I see that, like uh, it's funny and it's hilarious. But am I wondering, did we have to have that there? <laughs> I would have expected no less with it being flocks. And just by the way his species, like their culture, like by the way he describes his culture in previous episodes and further episodes, like that probably would not be out of the norm on his home planet. I think that would be the norm. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, I was I was kind of expecting Austin Powers music when he was walking through his uh, through his lab there. Yeah, it just so happened there was something sticking out in yeah. the right place. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, and that, that's kind of uh, one of the interesting points of the episode to me, where um, we see him talk a bit about his race. Of course, we know Flox has many wives, but his race is kind of the exact opposite of. The only other person, I'm holding up quotes here, that's walking around on the ship to Paul. Uh, so, so Flock starts hearing noises, goes to engineering. He sees he he sees to Paul and and you know just thinks she's supposed to be awake. Which, from the information we got at the beginning of the episode, I thought she was supposed to be awake too. So, I will say right here, they totally fooled me, even though I've seen this episode before. Uh, but what do you guys think of of the having these two people who are just like polar opposites i mean to paul and the vulcans for that matter are very uh, uh they value their solitude whereas flocks the nobleland the nobleland is very um social a very social social creature so any any thoughts on that so did i miss where she was going to be awake as well where they said that she was going to be awake as well because when when I saw her make her appearance, I was like, oh, I thought she was going to be asleep, too. But they specifically said humans at the very beginning. That's what threw me off. Now, oh, it could, it okay. could have only been me. No, and- they didn't say they didn't say he was going to put all the humans to sleep. They just said that the human neurology couldn't withstand the effects of this reconfigured space. So to save them, they would have to put them to sleep. 
but they never said whether or not Vulcans would be affected. Yeah, I think that was an interesting omission, just just enough to where it's kind of like what you're saying, Jonathan, is going back and listening to it and trying to put it in our heads and piece it together. We're doing what we're doing, but I think they left out just enough for us to be able to do that, which I think is kind of right. cool. Yeah, but also it kind of ticked me off. <laughs> <laughs> But see, also, and here's, again, where you kind of have to go back and look at previous. There's more than a few episodes where there's something happening that's affecting the human part of the crew, but not to Paul. And it's always referenced that Vulcans have a higher tolerance to these things than humans. That's kind of a big underlying thing going on in this series that's showing how Vulcans are superior to humans. Yeah. And it's kind of like a thing that ticks Archer off and it's kind of what we're and it's the reason why that they're why they're out there to start with to prove to the Vulcans that we can humans can do exactly what they can do the Vulcans did not believe humans were ready they did not believe we were prepared and we were not at all prepared or knew what to expect so that's always pointed out many times so I think in this episode they kind of omitted that to set this up at the end, but just kind of admit it because you're just assuming from what you've seen so far that, well, to Paul is going to be immune as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I assumed it too. So, I mean, they, they did their job there. Also, I want to ask, at what point did you start to realize maybe to Paul wasn't to Paul or did you even realize it? I didn't realize it myself. I just thought she was acting crazy. <laughs> I think it was about halfway through for me, but it wasn't that I realized I started watching whether or not she touched him. Mm. And, you know, I was thinking, okay, if she's just, because I noticed the way they were staging it and the way that the camera angle was, she would be looking over his shoulder, but she was not doing any of the action. He was. Interesting. And so I think, I think about halfway through, particularly Mm. though, when they start, and this may be less than halfway through, but when they're at the warp reactor and they're trying to do whatever it is they do, and she can't do this and she can't do that, that was where the bell started going off for me. Yeah, definitely outside of her character. Even though we semi had a reasoning for that due to the the neurocortex effects that were also affecting um, 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 flocks as well. So, yeah, they... They kind of I, I thought I thought she was there. They totally fooled me. I'll say they totally fooled me, even though I've seen this episode. Uh, John and Germany, you had any thoughts on that? Yeah, I thought she was there, too. But, you know, when they were when they were at the uh, warp reactor doing, you know, plugging all the numbers and, uh, and I, the way she was acting, I just she had like a child. and I just wanted to slap her. <laughs> Jeremy. <laughs> Jeremy. So I know. So, again, uh, because I've just recently watched this, I knew what to expect. But I I think I kind of would I kind of got hints after the, you know, after he goes into Hoshi's quarters and sees her in the shower and her space has been yeah messed up. Like at that point, I started thinking everything he's seeing is fears that he has. And then I started putting it together. Well, if he believes to Paul is on the ship ship with him, one of his fears would be what if she can't help him? 
Mm. And then that's exactly what started. So the the perfect time when he needed somebody like Tapal was when she couldn't help. And I was like, oh, you know what? He's making that up. That's interesting. Very interesting. Hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know, man. I I thought the Zindi may have been on the ship. I really did. <laughs> That was that was kind of convincing to me as well. So maybe I'm just just a fool here. <laughs> no, no, no. You're good. I mean, I think if I remember correctly, when I seen when I saw this the first time, I was fooled right up until the end. Like, I think I had to rewind it because they don't they never really point out that she wasn't there specifically. You just kind of you get to the end and it ends so fast. And then you're thinking, wait, really? Yeah. She wasn't there at all. That's how it was, and then I had man. to rewind it. And I'm like. Yeah, huh. <laughs> I, yeah, I agree with, with Jonathan. I think, you know, you, you, you're spot on, Clarence, because even though I was kind of questioning it, as I was questioning it, I was wondering, am I questioning it because of the story or am I questioning it because there's a memory in my head from watching this before? And this is deja vu from watching it before. Yeah. And, and I think like an, an added touch that made it really even more believable is we had Porthos running around. Um, and to me, that kind of made the possibility that, okay, he's an animal. <laughs> she's a vulk. Okay. Maybe she is, you know, that kind of threw me off as well. Even though Fox an animal, kills she's an animal. But, but, but you know, all this kind of brought back to, to something you said earlier. Don't they have cameras? <laughs> like, can't they just kind of like go back and see, okay, I heard something coming from this part of the hold. Can we just kind of maybe well, kind of zoom in? When he re- originally reported it to, air quotes, to Paul, <laughs> they went back and looked at internal sensors, and it was showing all the decks and ships, and she was saying internal sensors have picked up nothing. We right. don't see anything. Cameras so, I mean, were off because he was walking around birthday. <laughs> he turned the cameras off. That's why there were no cameras. Oh, boy. Oh, another part of the episode that I really loved at the very beginning where Mayweather's giving Flocks the training and also Trip is giving him a bit of training. <laughs> He's like, I'd never let you in here without three years of at Starfleet Academy, which I thought was hilarious. And then we get the scene at the end where um, he basically has to engage the warp drive to get out of the 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 anomaly or the 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 space or whatever uh because it was going to take 10 weeks at their current rate he says the words i'm a physician not an engineer which i thought was great (laughs) that was hilarious (laughs) i love that (laughs) but would would flocks have the ability to actually fire up you know the warp core in this on this version of the enterprise feels ancient you know it feels like a submarine what (laughs) Would Flox have that ability to actually do that? I would probably say no, but I mean, what do you guys think? I had no, I had no problem believing that because I mean, he, they pulled up the the instructions, which he did say seemed foreign. But uh, so you you gotta understand how smart Flox is, and he's coming from. So the reason Flox is on the ship, little backstory is. The Federation decided to do, well, not the Federation, the Medical Council or whatever, decided to do this interspecies exchange program where they got all the doctors got together and said, okay, you're going to train to work with this species on their ship and vice versa, blah, blah. So, I mean, he had to go through extensive training just to be able to be put on the Federation's flagship. 
and you'll see on previous episodes just some of his ingenuity and how he thinks about things and how smart he is. I, I have no doubt in a current situation with the instructions in front of him, he could have figured it out. Now, the timing of it, eh, could he have figured it out in 20 seconds? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But I'm, I mean, I'm assuming there's like graphics, like, you know, there's yeah. a picture of a man with a hand pushing this button and right. sliding this lever. And I mean, you don't necessarily have to understand it, but it just says, you know, you see a picture, say, push this button. That's what you do. Well, you pull up YouTube and you watch the YouTube videos. Right. <laughs> so do we know who Dr. Lucas is? So Dr. Lucas is his. So Dr. Lucas is an earth doctor that was sent to the nobly, I can't Denobula. say the nobula in exchange for Dr. Flock. So that was mm. part of the exchange program. Okay. Wow. Dude, I'm glad you guys recently watched. This. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, because you answered a lot of my questions. Well, one thing that I found and we haven't touched on that I found interesting is I think this was a good exploration of assumptions. And what I mean by that is we think going into something that everything is going to be smooth sailing. But when we think that the inevitable always happens and that's what happened to him, the inevitable happened. But I think that was just Whenever I was watching it, at least, I was thinking, okay, you think everything's fine. You think everything's going well. But then when you're really there by yourself and then something goes wrong, what do you do? And we've been, which we've been talking about that. And maybe the fact that we had to Paul there in his head, maybe that was a brain induced thing that was happening to him, but also as a coping mechanism to help him stay calm and help him do the things that we've just been talking about. He's doing maybe, you know, you got a great point. So uh, the fact that to Paul would be his exact opposite in this situation, exactly. like you said, may have been his way of, you know, who else, if he's lonely and, and the only one on the ship and he's a very social creature and like who else to have in mind as a s- symbol of strength in that situation mm. and the person that would be the strongest in that situation. Wow. So you're absolutely right. That, that, that would, that would explain a lot. And, and also when it comes down to, you know, not knowing what would happen in these situations, even though you have everything seemingly perfectly planned out. I think I think it shows how great a leader Archer is, because as he's you know talking to Mayweather, talking to Trip, and he's going through all these systems to learn these rounds he has to do to keep the ship ship going. When he gets to Archer, Archer's like, I just want to tell you, uh, have fun or have a good time. I have full confidence in you. You know, I was like, <laughs> oh, man, it is so great. So great. He's the only one that's not worried. So, John, that goes to your point. Um, uh, He's a very astute person, a very smart person that the captain would have all this confidence in him. Yeah. And man, kudos to Archer. If you hadn't watched this series, like skip past the song, because I get it. That's that's the breaking point for a lot of people. But skip past that song. This is a great series. And Archer is a great captain. Like and not so, you know, when we had the uh, Star Trek day and we we're doing all the panels and all that, you listen to 
It may have been the one before that. Anyway, uh, they did a enterprise panel and the other actors were just commenting on how Archer pretty much was the same type of leader on the set. Like when they were having issues and they were nervous and their things weren't going like that leadership was present behind the camera as well as in front of the camera, mm. which I think and that leadership, uh, as you guys have pointed out, like made its way onto the screen as well. That's cool. That is amazing. <laughs> now, he can piss you off in this episode, but you have to keep in mind, this is the first time we've decided to go on long range space missions as a race. And we just hadn't figured it out yet. Prime Directive hadn't been there. And there's a lot of times you're looking like, man, what the crap are you thinking? Like, for instance, I think it would have been a better bet just to take the four weeks to go around this reconfigured space than to leave the doctor in charge of your ship. Yeah, that probably wasn't the the smartest (laughs) So I'm thinking like if Picard or Cisco or Kirk or any of these people were there, they would have just, they would have found another way. They either went around or found another way. Maybe not Kirk. But but again, if T'Pol actually would have been awake, I would have said, that's a good decision. (laughs) Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) 100%. So that's another thing that threw me off. I'm like, did they really let this Joker take this ship? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, that gets to my final question. Did this episode ultimately give us further insight into the character of Phlox and what drives him and and what type of character he is? I think it did, but but thoughts? I absolutely think it did. I I think it was a good character piece. And again, not knowing all the context around it, I remember liking this character as the doctor. I thought it was interesting how different he was. So, yeah, I I think it was a good way to show some strengths that you probably didn't see otherwise, because I don't think this character was taken as seriously as maybe, say, um, you know, the, the doctor from the original series or Crusher or somebody like that. I think he was somewhere between one of them. And of course, Neelix, I think he was somewhere in the mix of that, not comedy, but not totally serious. And you got to see him in a serious moment. So that's what I think. Hmm. Yeah, completely. Anybody else? He, I keep, I hate to keep going back to that, but this was this episode probably gave Billingsley the most green time in any of the episodes. But I think to truly appreciate flocks, you would have had to watch a few episodes. Uh, just, you know, his approach to medicine is wild, but ingenious. Like he he still yeah. uses. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to add that it, it, it felt like a very medieval approach in a, in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, just because his type of medicine is very different than what we see in later Trek series. He's using animals and stuff to, you know, c- come up with cures. And I, I even think I even think McCoy would look at him and be like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know? Oh, 100%. But and that's the great thing about this exchange. Like, so. He made it a point to like become an expert in human physiology and study past medical human medical practices. And he determined like a lot of these things actually were great practices, needed a little refinement. But I mean, his uses with these animals and roots and like it, 
there's a lot of episodes where if he had not been that type of doctor, people would not have survived. Mm. Mm. He had to, matter of fact, Porthos, the dog, which was the captain's dog. Uh, I don't remember what happened. He got bit or got shot or something. Uh, but he needed a transplant of some organ or whatever. And of course, you're in the middle of space. Where are you going to find a dog, an earth dog, right? <laughs> well, there's some creature that he keeps. And he, this creature, like if you inject a DNA sample, it pretty much clones that exact organ. Mm. And this creature was from another planet. It was like a worm or some sort. Anyway, and it was, and I'm, I think they made mention of it, like, uh, this has never been done. Is it? And he says, well, you hadn't seen it done. They hadn't done it on Earth, but it's been done. <laughs> and it can work. And it saved the dog. It saved the captain's dog. And I mean, it's just little things like that. It goes on and on and on. But he that's just, I think, one of his strengths. And Kyle, I, you are absolutely right. It's not quite as serious as you would think of Crusher or I think he's probably... Hmm, I don't. I, I guess he would be a medically trained Neelix. That's that's what you could say. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a bad way, you know. I no, mean, no, he, no. He is what he is, but I don't think he's as um, as. And I don't want to say trained. I just don't think he's as serious. And I don't say per se that's a bad thing because we don't want them all to be carbon copies of each other. But but still, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yep. Yep. Um, we will go ahead and get ratings. Did you have any thoughts on that, Jeremy, before we move on? I think they pretty much kind of touched on everything. I mean, Dr. Flox is like one of my favorite doctors of, of the whole Star Trek canon. Um, just because he's just, he, he's outside of the box. He, he doesn't stick to strict Starfleet medical protocols. He just, he says, oh, this will probably work much better than what Starfleet wants us to do. So let's do this. Right. And, you know, I, as somebody who likes who likes doctors and medical shows, I appreciate that. <laughs> and he's not scary. Like he, no, he's he's very confident. Like any other doctor, I think in this situation in this reconfigured space, mm-hmm. and they put put everybody to sleep. They're like, well, there's consequences. There's something. They, he said, "Can you do this, doctor?" Well, yeah, I can do it. He's he's almost like House <laughs> if House was a nice guy, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And I'm going to actually give Dr. McCoy a compliment for a change. I actually think that this would have been a much more, and this, trust me, this is a compliment. I think it was, <laughs> this would be a much more boring episode if it was McCoy in here, because I think he would have the level of confidence as a character to do the things that he needed to do, whereas I don't think this version did so there that's a compliment <laughs> to McCoy. No, I, I, I totally get it man and and you know as, as far as flocks i think he's a great character this actually makes me want to go back and watch enterprise again i think i've seen enterprise through like a couple times so i think i want to go back and watch enterprise i freaking love this series uh, you're 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 right about it being a great series that everyone should watch and um, let's go ahead and get ratings now. And I will start. I didn't love this episode. Didn't hate it. I thought it was okay. I just I had problems with some of the story beats as far as the reveal. I felt like we, they just kind of held back some information for the big hoorah at the end. 
So for that reasons, I'm going to give it a 3.8. What about you, Cal? Uh, 3.8 actually sounds pretty good. I think I'm going to give it a 3.8 as well. But the reason I give it a 3.8 is I did like that it wasn't so obvious of a reveal. And I actually was surprised at the end because I actually thought I was wrong for a minute. So easily, I'm going to give it a 3.8. All right. What about you, Jeremy? Well, like I said, I think Voyager did this episode better. Um <laughs> But it was still a good, it was still a good episode. I still enjoyed it. Um, but I'm going to give it a 3.5 just because we had already been there. <laughs> All right. And what about you, John? Oh boy. Um. So let me ask a question: Are we writing <laughs> the episode or the Not doctor? Again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so we're discussing doctors and. Mm. I don't know. Should we do a dual I'm, rating? No, 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 no. Let's 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 rank the doctors when we're done. How about that? Okay, that works. That works. So as an episode, I would give it. This is a really. I can't really find a fault in this episode. But if I compare it to other Enterprise episodes, like we said earlier, it was more of kind of a filler. Not a whole lot there. Uh, so I would give it a four. All right. 3.8 from Kyle and myself, 3.5 from Jeremy, and that's a 4.0 from John. I will also add, I mentioned this up top, but this was, of course, directed by Roxanne Dawson, Belana Torres. So I found it very interesting. And actually, she qu- directed quite a few Enterprise episodes. So that's pretty awesome, which I didn't know when I originally watched it. So that, is pretty, that is pretty cool. And uh, with that, let's go around the horn and see what everybody is listening to watching podcast related or otherwise jeremy start us off man so my nephew basically gave me his nintendo switch a couple weeks ago Uh oh. and i've been playing a lot of breath of the wild which i know i'm really late to the game on that but i'm having a really good time playing that game i'm not good at it but i'm enjoying it <laughs> are you tired of breaking your weapons oh my gosh that is so annoying <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, that's one I want to play that I have not. I I have have had a Switch for probably like eight months now, so I'm going to have to pick it up. But Nintendo doesn't discount their game, so I don't know. (laughs) Well, I want Wind Waker to come out on Switch so I can play that again. That's Uh that's the game I really want. Uh, I think they announced Skyward Sword at E3 this year, so at least that's coming. I think they said Wind Waker's coming out, too. Oh, okay. But But their games are not cheap, either. Like you said, they don't discount their stuff. Oh, boy. Nintendo. <laughs> John, what about you, man? Podcast leader otherwise, dude. Uh, man, not much. A lot of working, a lot of personal things going on. So I've been pretty busy watching TNG again, going through that. So that's been pretty good. Uh, but I do have to give a call out to uh, the Paramount Plus original movie, Infinite, with Mark Wahlberg and I don't know the rest of them, but... Uh, it's a pretty good movie. It's a mm. pretty good movie. I think everybody should check it out. I will. I saw it on my. I saw it pop up on the little scroller thing at the top, so I might have to check it out next time I fire up Paramount Plus. Which, unfortunately, I haven't had a lot of reasons to, other than you know reviewing yeah. these episodes. Actually, I, I watched it. I got Netflix again, so I watched the episodes on Netflix because the interface is so much better. <laughs> right. You know, one thing I don't like about the Paramount Plus interface especially now at least it is like this with on the apple because that's how i get mine 
the episode the episodes the series are not in order so unless you search for the series they don't have all the star treks in order what? and i don't know what order there's not there's no alphabeticalness going on it's that just mumbo jumbo of wow. everything wow mm. yeah and i access it through amazon prime and i don't know if that interface is any different from the actual app itself but it, it's the same problem there like Whenever I go to find something, I have to search. There's no, there's no organization to find things you're looking for. Um, I think they have a section for shows. They have a section for movies, but you know, and I would think that Star Trek would have some prominence there, being as it's probably producing a lot of the new content on the platform, but maybe I'm wrong. But like, like Kyle said, it's like, I don't even, like when we're watching Discovery and Picard, I just that's one of the things I hate going for because I just hate to look for it. Yeah. yeah, I mean seriously, it feels like you you took the names of everything and put them in a bowl and say, throw it up. There they are. Yeah, and and actually it's it's kind of the same way on the Paramount Plus app itself. It's just kind of you gotta. I have to search every time to find anything, which is just frustrating. Why can't they? Okay, small rant here. Why come they can't do it like they do it on Disney Plus, where there's a Star Wars section, yes. there's a Marvel section, and you go into that anyway. I, I digress. <laughs> and you know what's even crazier? So a lot of times when I'm watching Discovery, Amazon Prime will put it on the homepage for me because it just knows that's what I'm interested in. Yeah. So it's easier just to access it from the Amazon Prime homepage, especially when it's. Like currently running now, yeah. now that we're in a break, I got to go to Paramount Plus to find it. But when the new episode pops up, like I open Amazon Prime and under my Prime channels, it's like the first or second one there. And it says Discovery or it says Picard and I can watch it. <sighs> Get it together, Paramount Plus. Get it together. Cal Jones, man, what what is your parting gift? You know what? Since we mentioned or you mentioned Disney Plus. I will say that I'm watching Loki, and I'm really enjoying it, and I can't wait to talk about it. But yeah, Loki. Yeah, it's all timey-wimey. It's all timey-wimey, <laughs> and they, they have round things all over the place. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I will add, if you liked Bill... Um, Billingsley? John Billingsley. I want to say Killingsley, but I knew that wasn't it, so I didn't say it. <laughs> John Billingsley. If, if you like John Billingsley in this episode, you should definitely check out the Orwell episode titled Home. I think it's a, I'm looking at it, it's a oh, season yeah. two episode, but it has B, uh, John Billingsley and Robert Picardo in the same episode. It is gold. It is freaking gold, man. I love it so much. <laughs> That's when uh, Lana or whatever her name went home. Alara went home. The pickle jar opener. Yeah, Alara. Yeah. Alara. Yeah, it's so good. That's like one of my favorite episodes, period, of anything. They are so good in it. You definitely need to check it out. John Billingsley is in an episode of Boston Legal as well. Oh, Lord. That can't go well. (laughs) I think it was pretty good. But, you know, I found out, and I think I mentioned this before, there is a lot of Star Trek actors in Boston Legal. Yeah, it is. Like Odo is. is one of the primary characters. Yeah. Yeah. Since yep. you said Boston Legal, I got to say it. Mad Cow. Uh, I knew I was coming. <laughs> <laughs> but there's Logi from Cal, that's TNG, and Infinite from John, and Breath of the Wild from Jeremy. 
And with that, we'll wrap things up. Thank you guys for joining in. If you want to hit us up, you can hit us up at Discussing Trek on any and all social medias. Send in feedback to fans at DiscussingTrek.com. Thanks for listening, guys. And until next time, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to DiscussingTrek.com slash subscribe. Hey guys, it's Sergio from Reality Breached. We've got a bunch of different podcasts over on our network at realitybreached.com, and one of my favorites is Shellheads, a TMNT podcast. Shellheads is a deep dive into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in ways you've never heard before. From the early comic days to the current Nick show, nothing is off limits. Jeff from the Warp Zone Arcade joins me to binge watch and power read through a comprehensive library of TMNT fandom. Check Shellheads out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. For more details, visit realitybreached.com. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com.